So last week we talked about following God, or not two weeks ago, following God. And we found out and we discussed that if I'm going to follow God, if I'm going to follow him, and there's different words for that in the Greek, and we're not going to get sidetracked today, but if I'm truly going to follow God, we found that number one, then I cannot follow traditions or culture. Can't do it. Now, it'll take you so far. It'll take you so far. And we talked about limitations, about crossing a bridge. Now, you know, we can say, well, we can cross a bridge, but, but the thing about it, we can't fly across that bridge. And sometimes we say, well, God, it's not fair. Birds can, can fly and we can't fly. But, and we find ourselves spiritually in that place all the time. Well, it's not fair. Well, nowhere in the Bible that said God was really fair. That he was just in his equity. But, but if that was the deal, then he would never please any of us because we're not eternal. Somebody said, you're not the easiest person to get along with. And please don't look at me or I'll run. So number two, I can't follow traditions. Number, number two, uh, I can't follow people who's not following God. And I'm not going to. I'll stay with you so long. I'll hold your hand so long, but after a while, you got to go. That's, that's all there is to it. 101 in, in lifeguard safety, that, that lifeguard swim up there. But 101, once he fights you in the state of panic, you may have to let him go. So I'll take you so far. We'll go so far. But, but, but once you leave the perimeters of the foundation of the Bible, I'll let you go. You, you, you need to go. And number three, we found out we sure enough can't follow our own feelings. Heavens, the Murgatroyd, we can't do that because we found out that our feelings, that, that Jeremiah says, our heart is wicked above all things. I cannot trust myself. And sometimes that, that it's a hard lesson to learn. But what happens is you're on a journey right now in your spiritual walk. And I know when you signed up, everything was promised you that it would be a rose garden. And it's not. But one thing about it, everything you've been through, you have learned to develop us a great trust in God. God will force you into that by following him. And, and never said, well, I want to be like Jesus. I understand that. But have, have you read toward the end of the gospel? Things really didn't turn out the way that we would want them to turn out, I think. Brutally whipped, miscarriage of justice, crucified on the cross. We all signed up for stuff except for that. So, we found out about following God. So in following God, one of them is a, is a word for used for an occupation, not recreation, like a hunter or trapper. Following God is not recreational for some. Following God, if, if I do not get this right, I won't, me and my family, we won't eat today, whether it be fishing or trapping. That's what the apostle Paul used the word follow, to stalk, to lay wait, to be quiet, to be still, and waiting for whatever I'm looking for to come by. That's why he says, be still and know that I'm God. I know, I know what some of you, you want to come in and you think, man, if I could just get a, a, a live wire plugged in here. Well, that may not happen the way you want it to happen. I'm trying to establish, establish truth in you that it'll carry you past the parking lot. Absolutely. So how do I know if it's God speaking to me? How do I know if it's God or a bad burrito? How do I know? If I'm following God, how do I know? How do I know that? So if I get an idea or a thought or an impression, where did that come from? If, if you're not a born again believer, I'm not even talking to you. But for those that are born again and, 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 and trying to follow God, follow God, pursue God, then how am I going to know if, if it is God that's speaking to me? And where did that thought come from? It's, it can be easily confused trying to solve this statement because 
on a personal level, I constantly talk to myself. And often I answer myself. I constantly talk to myself in the things of God. I constantly do. Constantly. And by constantly talking to myself and, uh, and answering myself, how do I know if it's God or if it's just me? And how can I be certain that I'm hearing God? Because if I get it wrong, it can be fatal. There are people that have walked in this church and there's people in churches today that thought they heard God and they did not hear God and it's caused them great harm and danger. Proverbs 14 and verse 12 says something like this. What you think is the right road may lead you to death. Wow. Have I got your attention? I'm here. I'm like the dog groomers. I'm here to shave the fluff and stuff off of you. What you think. And I just said, I constantly think I constantly talk to myself. And, and it's possible we as believers that we can think something, but we have to understand that the Bible, the scripture says sometimes what you think is the right road. It is a road to death and separation. The word death is separation from God. So, how can I be sure that what I'm hearing is from God? And the answer is, we have to test it. Have to test it. So, this is found in Saint, or 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, beloved, the word beloved, it means the object of God's love, which is us. Okay? Beloved. Do not believe every spirit, small s, which means man's spirit or another spirit that's connected to man. If it was a capital S in the King James, it would be the Holy Spirit. So anytime you see in the King James a small s, that means man's mind, will, or emotions, or something other than God, even demonic spirits. When Jesus casted out a demonic spirit, the capital the S was not in capitalization on a demonic spirit. It's always an S that's lower than God. So it could be your thoughts or it could be demonic or it could be both at the same time. Remember what I told you last week? Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said this. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal to you. My father just revealed that to you. And he straightened up his tie and he combed his hair back. And five verses later, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He spoke right at Peter because he said something. Isn't that about like us? We get it right on Sundays and Mondays. We get it all wrong. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Do not believe everybody stands behind this podium. Do not believe everybody stands behind a teaching podium. Don't believe everybody in the men's restroom that's trying to give you a lecture on something that they don't live themselves. But test the spirits. Test the spirits. Test them. What? Test them. I mean, how many of you go to the jewelry store and you whip out a ring and say, I want 10,000. This is a nine carat diamond ring I found. Give me 10,000. You know what you're going to do? You want to check or you want to cash? I mean, he doesn't do that. What does he do? He tests them. He puts that funny thing on there and lots of hammer and chokes a chicken and fires up a weed eater. He said, that's not real. Well, of all the nerve, the guy in Mexico in the back alley told me it was real. I hate to tell you that, but it's not real. 
Are we so narrow-minded that you think that everybody that comes through this, this brain donkey will come in here and, and, and say that you're, you're going to buy a hook, line, and sinker? We have some oceanfront property in Montana we'd like to sell you. <laughs> Test them. Dr. Mazo is the word. Dr. Mazo is the word. It was a scientific word. The Greek word. Put it under a microscope. Put it in a beaker tube. Light a fire to it. Shake it up. Stir it up. See what it's made of. Find out what the components are. Have you ever looked on the back of a tube of toothpaste? It doesn't say the ingredients is toothpaste. It's got, it's got letters in there I've never even heard of. A thousand of them. We just call it toothpaste. So don't believe every spirit, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have already gone out into the world. And that word world doesn't mean prostitutes, pimps, and plumbers. It means the church world, the religious world. And it was pretty obvious because they massacred and killed every one of God's prophets. Sawn in two, beheaded them, torched them alive, put them in boiling oil. The world does not believe, the world is not necessarily the, the world, the city limits. It means the religious world. If you really knew how many demons were being activated as that person sitting beside you, it would scare you to death. Murder, gossip, hate, rage, violence, adultery, bitterness, fornication, homosexuality. You just don't. If we really knew, and I'm glad I'm not a mind reader. Because right now, if I read your mind, I would be running through that black door. <laughs> Test them. Test them. How do I know if it's God? The only way I can know if it's God is if I test it. I have to test it. So how do I test it? Well, I'm going to tell you. And it's kind of amazing. I kind of grew up in a Assembly of God church, kind of, for, you know, I went and I didn't pay much attention, but I went and I understand all the formulas. I understand everything about it. Not making light of them. I understand. I understand. But one time in the Assembly of God church, a guy stood up and for you that don't know anything about this, you're going to go, well, I don't know anything about it. I understand. But this guy that in the church that he was about, a, he may be a year or two older than me or a year or two younger than me. But anyway, the church was going on and they prided themselves in tongues, interpretations and all that stuff. And it's fine. I'm not making light of it. I'm just telling you, uh, I understand it. Operate in it. I'm filled with the Spirit. I speak in tongues. I don't do it here, but I do. I, I have all the gifts operating in me. It's okay. There's no lapels, no badges on me. I'm not better than you. I'm just telling you that the Bible says that God is the one that appoints the Spirit to do different things in offices, 1 Corinthians 12. So I didn't sign up for it. He deposited in me. It's okay. I watch them people on the ship do op sculptures and, and painting. And I'll tell you right now, I don't know how they do that. I don't know how they get it from here to here, but they get it. It's beautiful. It's just a gift. Okay. But one, day, one time during church on Sunday morning, this guy stood up and he gave a message. Somebody, somebody gave a message in tongues. You know, that was pretty often back then. And the guy stood up and he said, somebody in this place is going to die today. What he said. And I mean, immediately, everything in me kind of went off. And I said, that's not right. That's not even biblical. And they got offended. They both, the pastor and him both got offended because I questioned it. So if, so here's the deal. Watch this. Years ago, we had an elderly woman. I'm not going to say how old she was because I'm climbing up in that realm. But I was, I was preaching. She stood right up on the second row. She was a little Pentecostal woman. She was in her 70s and I was still in my 30s. She jumped, started speaking in tongues. And I looked at her and I said, hey, 
Sit down. You're out of order. Boy, I mean, I mean, and I kind of said in that tone. Boy, that shocked people. It scared the water out of her. She was out of line. So, so watch this. I'm testing the spirits. Watch this. First Corinthians chapter number 14. Watch this. Let the prophet speak. This is in the church assembly. Let the prophet speak, two or three, and then let the others what? Buy it, hook, line, and sinker? Be gullible? Whatever comes out of their mouth, accept it? Write it in law, take it to the bank? When you come to a, when you come to a gathering, he said, this is the, the order of it. Let two or three, let the prophet speak. And then let the rest of them what? Try it, judge it to see if it lines up the things of God. Now, here we go. This, this will really make you mad, but there's a lot of things that I know for a fact that I preach on one hour every Sunday morning. But when it comes to the invisible and the hereafter, I really don't touch it. I believe in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe we'll spend eternity with him. I believe Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life with God. That's scriptural. But the reason why I'm very careful about saying other things, because here's what the Bible says. If Deuteronomy 18, some of you have never read Deuteronomy 18, have you? Have you ever read that? 18, 18 through 20. Everybody read that? Go home and read it. If you prophesy something that's not of God, I happen to take that seriously. Now then, we're delving off what you believe and what God has said. Well, I believe this. It really doesn't matter what I believe because once again, I talk to myself all the time and I'm probably wrong 90% of the time. I have to stick with I know what is true before I prophesy or say any type of eschatological event is going to happen because if I get it wrong, there's consequences for saying that God said something and he didn't say it. Nothing. Nothing makes me more frustrated than a telemarketer calling me Judy Hong, that nothing more frustrating than someone to say that I said something that I did not say. Ooh, I didn't say that. So I'm very careful. Some of you want to know through the years, how come you don't talk about second coming, the rapture, church? I don't, I, I'm very careful. It ain't, I'm, not a, I'm not a bright man, but I'm very careful not to make false predictions. <laughs> Do you understand me? Because there's consequences in it. And somebody said, well, that's Deuteronomy. And the word Deuteronomy means the second time. God said, I'm telling you the second time because the first time you wasn't listening. Paul said the same thing in Corinthians. I wrote to you a letter the first time. You wouldn't pay attention. So now then I got to write a longer, longer letter to you. So in trying the spirits, here's what we do. I'll try every one of you. I'll try everyone that says, thus saith the Lord. I'll try you. And any time, because I'm commanded to, you're saying, oh, well, you're the judge. We just got through reading. If anybody prophesies, then let the people judge. I'm leaving again next week, so it'll be all right. We're not here, we're not here to poke a hole in your bloom. I'm just telling you that not everything that, that, that glows in the dark is of God. 
So what do we do? We have to try it. We have to put it on a microscope. We have to examine it. We have to take it to a process. Is this God or is it just gas? I mean, is it really the Holy Spirit or is it just you? So there's two ways to test a thought that comes our way. There's two ways to test it. Number one is that this, does this thought align with Scripture? Anytime that you have a thought, an impression or an idea. And I want to tell you straight up, I've been here a long time. I'm very thorough in the things of God. I'm fully equipped with the things of God. And I'll tell you what, people that said that I heard God say something to me and they cannot really, or they're not good students of God's word. I'm going to say three words to you or I doubt it. I doubt it. Because what happens is that people that say that God has spoken to them, but yet they are not good students or pursuers of God's word. I doubt it. Now, every once in a while, you know, a blind hog will find an acre. And I understand that. But we've been, we've been commanded. How do I test the spirit to see it as of God? Number one, does this thought agree with scripture? God will never contradict his word. And we never have the permission to violate one of his principles already being given. So number one, how are we to try the spirits? How are we to try that comes out of a prophetic message, whether it be foretell or foretell. The word prophecy is broken in two words, F-O-R-tell or F-O-R-T-H tell. Foretell, it means predict the future. Foretell, it means to declare a statement. And most prophecies in Corinthians is dealing with foretell. It means to deliver something, a message like I'm doing today. So how will you know with what I'm saying today? How will you know, if, is it God? Is it me? Or is it Satan? How will you know? And the answer is, number one, does this thought agree with Scripture? Number two, does this thought make me more like Jesus? Now, you're going to laugh at this, but when we kind of first started, I really didn't know much about it. don't really know much about it now, but I know more than I did. But, you know, everybody told me this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. You got to get a building. That was helpful. You got to find people. That was helpful. And then you need to get a bus and just drive around the, the, the city and bring people in. And unlike Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, no way. It never was in me to go beat on doors. But the guy, the people that started with this, there's six or eight of us. There wasn't very many of us. He, he said, I found a bus. I'm going to buy a bus, a little, little bus. It's a little bus. And, and he said, we're going to knock on every door. And I said, I don't know, Tommy. I just don't think that's the way to do it. He said, that's the way we, we was raised in the Baptist church. We're going to knock on every door in Ardmore. And I said, I don't know. I don't really want to do that. And my wife will tell you, I didn't want to do that. So we bought a bus. And we drove around town and, you know, I'm not the most pleasant thing to look at. I mean, and you know what? After about five weeks of that, not one person got on the bus and not one person came to church. Not a one. My wife will tell you. It's a nice bus. It, it wasn't like a Greyhound bus, like a singing group bus. I mean, like, like Danny and the Dvoraks have. But it's, it's just a little bus. It holds about 20 people. It was, a, it was a yellow bus. And a guy come knocking on my church door one time. His name was Chester Fields. He wanted to send me some barbecue sauce. He was a preacher at the Church of God in Christ across town. And I said, no, nah, I don't want anything. And, and, he, and I said, he said, well, I'm a pastor, blah, blah, blah. I'm just getting started. I said, do you need a bus? <laughs> And he looked at me, he said, brother, I need a bus, but 
we can't afford a bus. I said, you can afford this bus. <laughs> I mean, he don't know me from nobody. And, and I said, come here. And I took him out back and he'd been parked there. And I said, that bus. He said, that bus. I said, that bus. He said, what's wrong with that? I said, nothing. And, and you know, you know how preachers are. No, you don't. You're not a preacher. But a preacher, you know, everybody's skeptical of a preacher. And, he, and I know he's thinking, he's going to trade me barbecue sauce for a bus. I said, here's the keys. Take it. It's all yours. All yours. And he couldn't believe it. I mean, he just couldn't believe it. Called his wife. She came over. Great lady. And I said, here's the deal. We bought it. Don't want it. Don't need it. You need it. And he said, you know what? This is what he said. We was at the church at Jingra, and he said, I don't know why I come by here, but now I know why I come by here. We've been praying for a bus. That's what he said. He said, we didn't have money to buy a bus. I said, here you go. Here's keys. Here's title. We signed the dude. And you know what? You see them all over town with kids hanging out the doors, yelling, screaming in the window. Bus full of kids. Bus everywhere. And once I got rid of the bus, you know what? People started coming. Because once again, Jesus said, I will build a church. I'll build a church. So, what happens is, and, and, that's, and, that's, and that's a true story. Number two, does this thought make me more like Jesus? Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. I'll promise you in, in all of most mega churches, this is probably not being taught. Don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others as well or two. Because you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And he humbled himself. The word humble is where, kind of where we get a word for epicase, kind of like the word uh, prehortus or epicase. It's, it, it means to mold plastic over a mold. It's to take something softer like clay. Back then it wasn't plastic, it was clay. And they would have molds. And they would take the sand and the water and certain things and they would mold it and, and then they would heat it up and remove the mold and, and, the, and the clay would form to the shape of the mold. The idea was this, that the, the clay would, would submit to the mold, humble. Our whole objective here in the body of Christ is this, it's not our own ways, our own centeredness, our own selfishness. We are commanded to be, to be submitted and humble and yield to the mold, which is the character of our father. Amen. Think about that. So plastic today is a better word. Plastics are molded. They yield to the hardness of the mold. What God is looking for, the humility is the hallmark of godly wisdom. Humility is the hallmark of godly wisdom. That's what we're pursuing today. So there's only two things that we can test it. Number one, does this thought agree with scripture? And number two, does this thought make me more like Jesus? All right. So in that, before we give ourselves a report card, we're not going to do that. There are three voices that, that we're capable of hearing. In the Garden of Eden, they basically only had two stations to pick up. Now then we have three. It's a little different. God always gives instructions. When we, ourselves, 
we give ourselves ideas. And Satan, he always brings interference. So I'm saying to you, because right now, there's like 9 million things going between your left ear and your right ear. Like, will we beat the Baptist, the Sirloin Stockade? You will not. I'll tell you right now. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Will we get out of here before at one? Probably. If you, all, if you all act like you're interested, we'll let you out. There's a lot of things that, that demands of the day and, and loved ones, all things are going right now. But here's the deal. These things that are roaming around in our heads, we, we hear we hear three of them, one at a time, two at a time, and maybe all three at a time is possible. I know you'd say, well, I'm Holy Spirit filled and I'm saved and sanctified and Satan can. Yeah, you have no idea what you just said. Okay. So God gives instructions. We have ideas. How many ever had an idea? Hey, I got a great idea. And the next thing I'm going to say, let me get my camera. And you found out it wasn't the best idea. But Satan brings, with his thoughts, he brings interference. It happens all the time. So once again, how do I know if it's God? How, do I, how can I be sure for God if it's God speaking to me or if it's my own idea or Satan's trying to mess me? And here's the deal. I don't know about you, but I'm the only one in this church, but I'll promise you, Satan messes with me, with my mind. Case in point, pay attention. Having done all to stand, that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. You know what the word wiles in the Greek means? Methodius. Pathway to the mind. Ooh. <laughs> Welcome to School 101. The armor of God, that I may stand against the wiles of the devil. What do you think wiles is? Methodius. Method is the pathway. Excuse me. Method is the means to it, and odos is the pathway. Method is where we get a word for the, the process of the thoughts. Odos is, it means the mind. It means the pathway to the mind. He encourages you to put on the armor of God that you may protect your thoughts against the devil making a path to your mind. Why don't you just kill yourself? Be done with it. Why don't you just leave? Why don't you just tell them off? Why don't you just do this? He constantly, constantly talks to the righteous. All the time. Nobody will even notice when you're gone. Nobody even care when you're gone. Jesus went to the wilderness. He traveled for 40 days. He was less than two and a half miles from town for 40 days. Nobody came to look for him. Satan got it right. He said, hey, been out here a while. You're a little sunburned. Your lips are swelled up. Your tongue's hanging out. If you really was the son of God, where is everybody? Where's your twelve? I mean, we're, we're just talking about from here to Walmart. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? He went right straight to the, the head himself. He said, look, look around. He doesn't have to fabricate. The devil doesn't have to lie anything about you. He's got enough stuff on you. You don't have to lie about it. 
You've done enough boneheaded things. Turn to something. Well, I don't do that. You'll hurt the feeling. <laughs> Satan went straight to Jesus and said, look around. Where's everybody at? If you're the son of God, where is everybody? We're not talking about 100 miles. We're talking less from here to Walmart. In 40 days, they ain't come seeing you. Nobody's looked for you. Wow. Are you sure you're the son of God? Anytime you looked in the mirror, I mean, took a good look. And your enemy said, yeah, you're really the son of God. Wow. You're really a daughter of God, aren't you? Yeah. Don't you think if you were a son or daughter of God that people would be bringing you tortillas and enchiladas every day of your life and sending you letters and calling you every day? I mean, don't you think that somebody would just acknowledge that you're worth living and nobody's even spoke to you in years? And what, and what the stunt that you pulled last week? <laughs> yeah, you're a good one. Your enemy will speak to you. He'll mess with you. Why don't you just leave the bum and find somebody else? Why don't you just walk off and leave her? You're trapped. You're shackled. The old ball and chain. Why don't you just leave her and the kids and go do your own thing? Because the Bible commanded us to not put our own interest in front of us. The Bible teaches us that we should not be selfish or self-centered, that we must serve one another the very best as Jesus himself. He thought it not being, even though he is equal with God, but he humbled himself and he lowered himself to take on the form of humanity. He became like us that we could become like him. And in that process that, that we've learned that hallmark is godly wisdom, learning to love others. So, we know that Satan will speak to us. He does. He does. And he does. And, and, and you'll hear a voice say, go ahead and roll on the window and give that guy peace in your mind. The Holy Spirit said, don't do that. Don't do it. You'll regret it. And what you do, you go ahead and do it. And what happens? You regret it. And God said, I, t I don't want to say it. I told you, but I told you. So how do I know if it's God speaking to me? Mark chapter 4, verse 13 says this. Jesus said to him, do you not understand this parable about the, the sower? Do you not understand this parable? If you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand the rest of them? So I'm going to condense this so fast to you, it's not funny. And I'll pick this up next week. But here's the deal. If, if, Jesus said, do you understand this parable about the sower? And he said, if you don't, you'll flunk the rest of them. So because he said this, this is very important for me to do. So Jesus turns and he goes to the blackboard and chalk and eraser in hand if they had it. And he begins to write this parable down because he wants you to get it. Next week, we'll get it. This is how important this parable is, because he said, if you don't get this one. You can't get the rest of them. Wouldn't wouldn't that mean of great importance, yes. So, it's very important for us to learn two things from this parable. Number one, Mark 4 and 24 says this, take heed to what you hear. Now, because I want to keep you awake, say this, the word take heed is, is, the, is the word katekel, but it means to, to grab on tight or pay close attention to what, what 
you hear. Be careful what you hear. It's what you hear. Say that with me. What I hear. Why is he telling me you better, you better perk up? Why is he saying if you don't get this one, you will never get the rest of them? Rule number one, be very careful what you hear. In Ephesians chapter two and verse two, Satan is referred to as the prince of the air. The prince of the air, by definition, means the, is the airspace between one's mouth and another's ear. What's being said and what's being heard may be completely two different things. Now, I'm going to go ahead and admit it to you. I'm a little hard of hearing as of late. And it's really funny. Gail will say something to me, and I'll answer on another completely different subject. <laughs> And she'll, she'll die laughing. She goes, what in the world did you just say? And I said, I thought you said this. I thought you said something about pink ponies and I answered about green elephants. And she said, oh my goodness. What's being said out of my mouth and what's being heard from your ear is where Satan Interferes. Ooh. Now here's the problem. Science tells us that only five to seven percent of everything that is said to you, you will comprehend it and keep it for 72 hours. Then you've lost it. Five to seven percent, five percent, six percent. That's it. Six percent of everything that's said to you. You'll forget about it in less than 72 hours. You're looking at me. You're nodding your head. You're crossing your eyes. You're yawning. Some of you are going, what time we get out of here? And I'm telling you, everything that the gospel is coming out and telling you and saying has the ability not only to save you, but to heal you and give you life. But yet, in, in, before long, if you don't write it down and get it in you, you'll forget about it when you leave the parking lot. I write everything down. You ought to see my office. It's wrote down with stuff only I can read. Because you'll forget it. And then they say over a month's time, you only retain 1% of that. And I got thinking, I've been here 38 years. And by that definition, after 38 years of sermon after sermon, you only remember about six weeks of it. What does that mean? What, what, me, what, what, I mean, what's going on here? Here's the deal. What's being said and what you're hearing is two different things. It can be. Because the, in, your enemy, Satan, wants to interfere with the frequency. Now, in our generation, we had black and white TVs and it snowed all the time on the television. All the time. And some of you are going, what does that mean? Well, never mind. We had rabbit ears. We, we were the remote control to the antenna. You know, dad's sitting on top of the house. He'd sit in his chair. He'd holler at mother. She was at the window and I was on top of the house. Turn it to the left. Turn it to the right. And then when I let go because it wasn't ground, he'd go, tell him to stay up there. And you know, as long as you can hold on to it. Now we got cable and we got HD, 9D. We got that 
lithium, we got it all. I mean, if we see a speck out of place, oh, that's a horrible television. No, you never lived back in the 50s and 60s. We, I never had, I, I didn't know Walter Cronkite was a man. All I could just see was he was in a snowstorm for a long time. I could hear him. You know what it was? It was perfect going out of CBS. And my television was as clear as a bell. But there was interference between what left CBS station and what hit our receiver. See, there's nothing wrong with God. And really, there's not too much wrong with you. But what God is saying to you and what you're hearing is being messed with by your enemy. God said, I love you. And your enemy said, oh, he don't mean that. Hmm. And the second one is found in Mark, Mark chapter four, verse 24. Excuse me, I apologize. That's the one we're on. It, it kind of goes back to the Garden of Eden that that when Satan's having a conversation with Eve, God gave Adam the only instruction. She wasn't even created yet. And so we found in Genesis chapter three, one through three, this is what he says. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, oh yeah, hath God said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden. That's what the serpent said. And the woman said unto the serpent, she has no business talking to him anyway, but oh, we can eat all the fruit of the trees in the garden but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, that God said that we should not eat of it and neither can we touch it. God never said that. God never said you couldn't touch it. He just says, don't eat the fruit. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that what comes out of the mouth of God and what we hear can be two completely different things? Not not only, not only withholding great truth from you, but adding your own accent and your spices to the thing will contaminate the, the things of God just as well. You see, Satan often counsels God's people. Satan talked to Eve. Satan talked to Balaam. Satan talked to Judas. Can I hear an amen? amen. Satan talked to Peter. Can I hear an amen? amen? Satan talked to Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen? Satan talks to Jody. Easy now. Satan talks to Ron Edge. Hallelujah. <laughs> Satan talks to Mike Spells. And especially Danny DeVore. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> God gives instructions and Satan, the prince of the air, does his very best to interfere what God is trying to say to you and what you're actually hearing. And it's very important that you get it right. Because if you get it wrong, it's fatal. And last but not least, this is found in Luke chapter 8, verse 18. It's the same parable. Not only be careful of what you hear, but he says, be careful how you hear it. It's not just what we hear, but it's how we hear it. 
And so there's some things I want to talk to you, but not today because I've kept you a long time and I appreciate your patience with me. But, but when you have an offended ear and someone has offended you and you are offended, then everything sounds wacko. When you're offended, you really don't hear anything anybody says. I, I know, I know, I know Gail and I are the only one that ever had a disagreement in 43 years. I know that. And it took her a while to realize that I was always right. And we know that. But I'm just saying, just in case some of you ever got in a heated argument about anything, anything, isn't it amazing that in that argument, you really hear what you want to hear? And there's ways to hear things. I mean, you can say, hey, you're not as fast as you used to be instead of saying you're losing weight. It's the same thing, but it's the wrong way to say it. <laughs> when, when you're offended, and the Greek word is to have a, a bone broken in the foot. That's the word, that word. There's two different words. One's a scandalizo, it's a trap. But when medically, the Greeks use the word offended as a, a broken bone. And it don't matter where you step, concrete or cotton balls, it hurts. But to have offended, when you're offended, someone's offended you. Case in point, watch this. Adam and Eve, they walk with God. He said thorns and thistles, we'll talk about this. But because of disobedience, he used to work with the tulips and, 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 and the tender of God in the garden. He knew what it was like to work within the beauty of the garden. But because of disobedience, now it's thorns and thistles. Thorns are painful, thistles are poisonous. But the great thing he had going for him, he still remembered what it was like to be in the presence of God. All of us that we made mistakes and all of us have taken wrong turns, but no doubt about it, we all know what it's like to be sons and daughters of, of God. And even though the situation we're in right now is not the best, it may be thorns and thistles, but I will tell you that we all have an internal bearing within us to move us back to where the place where God is. But take heed or be careful how you hear it. How you hear it. So it's kind of like twisting the scriptures. There are, there are three things that will help you in this whole process. Number one, <clears throat> that you've got to attach yourself to someone who really knows who God is. If you want to be helped, if you really want to know, if you really want to know is if this is God speaking to me, I know what someone's going to say. Well, the best thing to do is lock yourself in a closet and, and find God. God's not lost, I'm telling you. I'm not going to give you that advice. If you really want to know if, if this is God that is speaking to me, there's three simple things, three simple rules. If you don't write this down, you'll forget it within 72 hours. And don't call me and you're not going to get this sermon online. Number one, attach yourself to someone who truly knows who God is. What I want to say to you, hear me right quick, being offended. Adam and Eve knew what it was like to be in the presence of God. They didn't have to live by faith. Abel was the first one who had to live by faith. Adam didn't have to live by faith because God was staring him right in the eyes. But when they were moved out of the garden, watch this, 
Adam had a responsibility to teach his children. And the first thing he began to do is instruct his children about honoring God. And I'm telling you right now, that was a hard pill to swallow because the boys could have said, oh yeah, aren't you the guy that got us kicked out? Oh yeah, thanks dad. You're a great example. We'll figure this out on our own. It's hard, watch this. It's hard maybe sometimes to listen to someone that has offended you. Ooh. It's hard to trust someone that maybe has offended you. Your ear has been dulled. And, and, and if, if, if everybody treated you perfect and they were perfect, like, like Sherry Dvorak is, and the world would be perfect, but you know, she's married to the other guy. But what happens is, what, what about to someone that, at church, here at church, a little sharp with you one time. Where'd you learn to drive? Where'd you learn to park? In the backside of the pasture? You know, you're over the line and, and it hurts your feelings. And the way they said it was a little sharp and abrupt. And I'm sorry about that. But from that moment on, if they climbed in a pulpit, you, you heard nothing they said. Even though it's from God. It's one thing to receive instruction from Adam if they were still in the garden. It's another thing to receive instruction from your father when he got you kicked out of the presence of God. Am I going to make a mistake? I am. But trust me, I'll acknowledge it and I'll say, this is the deal. I'm just like you, but we're going to pursue the high calling of God together. Ma, I'm hungry and I thirst after righteousness. I'm not satisfied where I'm at. My mistake is the only indicator that I have not arrived. But I'm hungry for God. I'm passionate for God. I want to follow Him. I want to honor Him. And that's what I see in you. Number one, attach to somebody that really knows God. Not about God, but God. Number two, attach yourself to someone who really knows God's Word. Oh, not bits and pieces, chunks in the Old Testament. They, they just pull out of nowhere. And number three, attach yourself to someone who really knows you and they still like you. Proverbs 19, 20, 21, we're closed. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel is the only thing that will stand or last. Three things. You can't make it on your own. We're going to get into this. He said, it's not good for you to be alone. It never was intended for you to be alone. Attach yourself to someone that really knows God. Number two, attach yourself to someone that really knows God's Word. And number three, attach yourself to someone that knows you. And they still like you. And in that, and in that, you'll learn to clear up the fog and remove with discrimination that when it's God speaking to you, that you'll know that it's Him. How will we know? It'll line up with Scripture. And it'll make me more like Jesus. Grace does not make me great. Grace makes me grateful. All right, close your Bibles. Twisting the Scriptures. 
Did you know that David rode a motorcycle in the Bible? The Bible says that that David's triumph was heard all through the land of Israel. It says, be careful of how you hear it. Did you know that Moses was a great tennis player? The scripture says that Moses refused to serve in the courts of Pharaoh. Be careful how you hear it. Now this is me personally. We started this church in about 1980 something, 88, 89. Really didn't know much about anything, didn't have anything, had nothing, but I had a desire to know God. I knew God. I knew God. I learned Him for years driving the truck behind a steering wheel. I, 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 I developed a re wonderful relationship with God. I didn't have the education, but I knew God. I knew Him. It's like my wife calling. We didn't have to have caller ID. No, it was her calling me. Hi, Jody, this is Gayla. I mean, after 43 years, I'm pretty sure I'll know. And sometimes you go to church and somebody says, the caller ID says it's God, but when they start talking, you go, yeah, it may say God, but it's not God. But two men within 30 days came to me as ministers, knew nothing about me within the first couple months of my church, two, two prominent men. And both of them told me, told me. So the Lord told me to tell you something. I said, okay, here we go. And he said, you'll stand and speak before thousands. That's not all they said. And at that moment, being 29 years old, or I think I was, I had to let that process because the, the background that I grew up, they, they said stuff like that all the time. Oh, you're going to be great. You're going to be rich. You're going to be successful. And, and both these men, two different times, and Bob Yandy was the last one out of Tulsa. He said, I'm just going to tell you straight up. The Holy Spirit told me that you're going to stand before thousands. And what I had to distinguish was this. Was it thousands at one time or over 38 years? And it was the latter. Because in 38 years, whether it be men's conferences or this church or other events that I've done, I have spoke to thousands and thousands of people. And what I had to make sure that my bearings was not this, that, that I had to make sure that what I heard wasn't being twisted. That, that God, after three or four or five years in the ministry, we, we still had the same hundred people. We still had the same blah, blah, blah. And, and, and your men told me I'd stand before thousands. Where are the thousands? And I could have got discouraged and upset and shut the door and went back to the oil field. Agree? But through the years, we've learned, be careful of how you hear it. Because his word is true. The prophecy was true. In the last 36 or 37 years, I've done two things. I have stood before thousands of people and I have expanded the truth of God's word to thousands. So this morning, it had been very easy for us to have quit, given up, surrendered, wrote it off, 
we could have said that was just a bad burrito those people were having. But God is faithful to his word. And here's the deal. Before the foundation of the earth, that God wanted me and God wanted you. And before the earth was created, that he selected you in a space of time, Romans 8. And he called you and he's conforming you to the image of his son, Jesus, for this particular space and time. And I want you to know two things, that there's a lot of spirits that are running around, there's a lot of voices, and there's a lot of things that's coming out of the mouth of God and trying to reach your ear. And there's a lot of interference, but I'm, don't lose fact to this, that he loves you. And he has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. That's what I want you to hear. And when your enemy tells you to walk out, don't do it. And when your enemy tells you to give up, please don't. And when your enemy tells you that life is not living, God's not saying that at all. So what do we do? We just continue to follow God. And we're gonna attach ourselves with people that knows God, that knows God's word, and that knows me. And together, that we're gonna pursue our Father. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you this morning for the, for the opportunity of being called a son and a daughter of God, children of God, sheep of your pasture, lambs of your flock. There are some this morning that they're here, but they barely got here. Their mind is a mess. They have, they have made so many bad choices. They have turned down so many dead-end roads. They have depreciated and marked down their own worth of their own life. And because of that, they have followed suit with the worth of their people they love, the people they know, the relationship. Nothing really means anything anymore. It has no value. But one thing for sure, they're not here by accident. They're here by divine assignment. And I pray what comes out of my mouth for the next 20 seconds will not be interfered or contaminated or distorted. What their ear will hear, that you love them. You've always loved them. Even in a broken home, even growing up in a dysfunctional home, even being born on the wrong side of the tracks and in poverty and being laughed at and made fun of and been abused. And, but you've always loved them. And for the first time ever or in a long time, they're in this place. And now they know it's truly the voice of God calling to them to a place of submitted and surrendering to the life of Jesus. So this morning, Father, that we hear a lot of things, people tells us a lot of things, people wants to interfere with our thoughts, to influence our thoughts, to interrupt our thoughts, but that stops today. 
Let everything that we do, let it be aligned with Scripture and let everything we do, let it be more Christ-like. And together we're gonna serve you and follow you and that we'll know your voice and we'll follow none other. And I pray you heal every heart that's hurting this morning. Every young girl and every young woman that's been wadded up and thrown in a trash can by someone else, I pray that you would unfold them, press them out, give them honor, integrity, and dignity. For every young man that's been laughed at and poisoned at, abused and bullied, self-esteem and self-confidence that has been lost, I pray this morning that God, that you would breathe into them your life. Every husband today, I pray that you would take the role of a man of God Push all the dust and debris of mistakes and failures behind you. Stand up true, stand up proud, stand up strong. Take your wife and your kids by the hand. Follow God. And Father, we give you thanks in Christ's name. And all the people of God said, Amen. Stand with me, if you would, please, and give the Lord a praise offering. He is so wonderful today. Turn about two people and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to attach myself to you. I love you. I need you. And you know what? Here's the deal. Communion servers, make your way. Here's the deal. I enjoyed being gone with my beautiful wife for seven days, but I really, I really missed some of you. I really did. Well, I missed all of you. We are sons and daughters of God, and, and even the beautiful places that we've got to experience, nothing can compare to being the, in the center of God's will, where God's people are. That night he set, went with his disciples and he took the bread and he took the cup. It was a custom for thousands of years, of course. The first Passover that was celebrated, it was celebrated with the unleavened bread to expedite them out of Egypt quickly. Didn't. And the Lord turned and he took the bread and he said, in days of old, the first Passover that your fathers took the bread, that was poured out from heaven, John 6. But they did hunger again. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and if any man eats of me, he will never hunger again. And they took the bread. He took the cup and lifted it up, and he said, the first Passover night, they took the lamb's blood and took it in the shape of a cross. That when the death angel that night, Abaddon, would come, they would see the the shape of the cross in the Lamb's blood, they would pass over the house to bring safety to the people of the home. And Jesus said, I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And my Father now will take my blood in the shape of a cross. And if any man eat of this bread and drink of this cup, remember me. Two things this morning, I'm gonna challenge you once again the voices that you're hearing, the thoughts that you're having, do they align with Scripture? And are they making you more like Jesus? 
And I'll let you answer that this morning. Father, bless this cup, bless this bread. And for all that receive it, we give you thanks in Christ's name. And the people of God said, amen.